Hi everyone, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Today I have Maxwell Ivy on the show. We're continuing the series of Purpose and Maxwell is also known around the world as the blind blogger. He is totally blind and he's transformed himself from being morbidly obese um, and being a carnival owner to a respected amusement equipment broker and in the best health of his life. He started his online business, The Midway Marketplace, in September 2007. And he is now doing all these amazing things, as well as his blog, The Blind Blogger. Um, he has also written three self-help books. He's also done a dozen podcasts, and he has his own podcast called What's Your Excuse? And on that note, I have titled this episode, What's Your Excuse? And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that you can take something away from our conversation. Hey, Maxwell, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thanks for jumping on and being part of this. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, having a good conversation and hopefully we can, we can help your listeners today. Yeah, for sure. So you've, I, I mean, I was taking a look at um, a lot of, a lot of what you've done and, um, uh, and the, the, the content that you sent me as well. Um, and you spoke about, you know, this moment of taking hold of your life and deciding that you wanted to transform your life, transform your health. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that moment, first of all, like what, was there a trigger moment for you uh, an actual realization, because obviously any change comes with that first awareness, but then the actual implementation of the change and action is where people get stuck. So what was really that defining moment for you which changed everything? Right, well, that's very simple. Uh, in 2000 and 2007, I think it was, uh, I was working with the family we were still traveling with the carnival at that time and i was almost kicked out of a motel in port Vaca, texas for uh urinating on their bed linens and that particular day or the next day i went and seen a doctor and the doctor told me that if i didn't uh, do something to improve my health that i wouldn't be around much longer and in his opinion he was talking more months than years so at the end of the carnival season, which is usually when big changes happen because, you know, you spend so much time just getting from week to week to do anything really uh, unusual or different before the end of the season. So when that season was over, I went and uh, found, found out that I had insurance. Um, I got connected with a primary care doctor here in the area. And... She agreed that I was a mess. The first thing she did was to to keep me healthy. So that involved uh, me being put on a lot of prescription meds for high blood pressure, cholesterol, gout. Um, my good cholesterol was very low, and and at one at one point I was taking seven prescriptions and a total of eleven pills a day. Uh, after I did that for a while. She said that she believed I had a case of sleep apnea and that it was probably a pretty severe case. And she convinced me to have a sleep study where they found out that, yes, I did have apnea and probably had had it since I was a teenager. And that uh, 
it was a pretty severe case, but it could be treated with, uh, with a CPAP machine. And so they put me on one of those machines and I started getting better sleep at night. Uh, when you, for those people who aren't aware of all the side effects from sleep apnea, they include uh, high blood pressure, increased risk for stroke, um, fuzzy thinking, lack of interest, depression, impotence in men, uh, just really a lot of things that don't help you. In, uh, if, you've, if you're at the best of times, it doesn't help you. If the worst of times, it can really mess you up. So I started on the CPAP at night. That uh, allowed me to start thinking more clearly. And I decided that since I was no longer a key part of a carnival midway, I was going to find out what else I could do. And that resulted in me trying, me helping other people sell used carnival rides and amusement park equipment online at the Midway Marketplace. I started working on that website full time. I uh, quit traveling with my mom and brother who continued to travel with a food trailer. And I worked uh, full on on the website a year or so later. My doctor told me that she knew I was trying to lose more weight, but wasn't successful. She convinced me to go to a seminar on gastric surgery. Once I learned that gastric surgery was just one part of the puzzle, that I would have to make a lot of lifestyle changes for it to be successful long term, I was in. So I did all the stuff, uh, drinking more water, changing portion sizes, exercise, and I had the surgery and lost over 250 pounds. So now I'm in the best health of my life. I'm helping people sell carnival rides. And then along comes people who are like, you know, Max, you have a very inspiring story. You need to share more of it. So that led to the blindblogger.net. And now here I am six years later from the blind blogger, 13 years later from quitting the carnival business as a traveling carnival owner. And uh, I've written four books, traveled the country solo, sung in public, done public speaking, been on 250 or so podcasts. And so, so much has changed, but it all started with realizing that my health was at risk and then not just saying, yeah, I know I need to do something about it, but actually starting the process. And one thing people should notice is I didn't say my life is a mess. I've got to change everything now. And my doctor didn't say that either. She said, we need to get you healthy where you can stay around a while. And then we'll address some of these things that are making you unhealthy. Yeah, no, I, I, it's absolutely true. It, it's step by step, isn't it? Like the lasting change needs to be consistent and that never happens overnight. Um, what, what's been your biggest challenge till date? And especially as somebody who is blind and I've not had anyone from the blind community yet on my podcast. And I think it's just so uh, miraculous that you have been able to achieve so many things and not let that hinder your progress in any way. Um, so did you have any limiting beliefs initially, which you feel like you really had to conquer in regards to this? Well, I, I grew up in a family of people who did things. One of the things you learn from an early age in a family of carnival owners is that nobody really cares about you or what's going on in your life. All they care about is can you be open on Thursday so they can buy a bag of cotton candy and ride the Ferris wheel. So uh, when it, once I decided that I was going to build this website, I had challenges. I had setbacks, but I didn't have anything that said, you know, you 
Mike, you're crazy. You can't do this. I had the occasional person online who said I was crazy to be trying to do it because selling anything, especially amusement equipment, involves a lot of tasks that require you to review uh, visual media. And, you know, I did that by asking my brothers to, to do it. I also have some friends online over the years who have come to be people I can count on for feedback on images and videos and, and even audios. The biggest challenge that I faced when I started the first website was I was brand new to the business. And at this time, there was probably a dozen websites where people could sell surplus amusement equipment. I was the new guy. And I was also asking people to pay me a fee, a percentage of their sale. Whereas everybody else was either self-funding their website uh, or they had a sponsor uh, or and two of the most uh, successful companies in that area, both of them are run by finance companies. They help people find buyers just so they can have that buyer finance the equipment through their own companies. So those are, so here I am a new guy. I'm asking people to pay me 10% of what they get and everybody else is doing it for free. So it's like, why should we go with you? So I really had to convince people to give me a chance I had, I started with people who either knew me personally or who knew my dad, people who I could reach out to and we had a personal relationship in existence one way or the other. And so those people would allow me to list their equipment. And as I proved that I could actually sell things, especially hard to place things, things that were old and bad condition, things that require a lot of help, a lot of time to set up and take down. Once I proved I could find new homes for for difficult rides, then people started to open my emails and reply to my phone calls. But for, a, for the first few years, it was really hard getting people to, to listen to me or to work with me because I was telling them up front, you're going to have to pay me. Mm. Do you think that it's just a, it's a time thing and that's something that everyone has to deal with essentially? Because there is this uh, element of having to prove yourself regardless of what you're doing right from any field I think initially when you um, don't necessarily have that skill set I mean the skills that you have today would be very different to the skills that you had even 10 years ago um, so do you think like there we can ever really escape that uh, that needing to prove um, I, I'm not saying that should be the driving force obviously but um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first off, I think the, the requirement of proving yourself is of benefit to everyone doing something they've never done before or, or in a way they've never done it before. Because when you have to prove yourself, then you have to find solutions. You have to figure out a way to get past whatever the obstacle is. And Back in the day when my family operated the carnival, we had a seven, eight ride carnival. We were never a big show. Uh, quite often we got open more by effort and uh, perseverance than by any, uh, by any great skill. And I used to tell people that we got open, but we would have never won style points. Mm -hmm. And we had, a, we had a mantra in our business that came from my dad. And when we would finally get to the next town and be ready to open, if somebody ever asked him how he did that, he would always go, what, did we have a choice? And over 15 years of traveling up and down the roads with him, that's kind of seeped into my personality that like, the, what, do I have a choice? And if you can get to that place 
where you can tell yourself, I don't have a choice but to learn how to do this or to figure out why they're not responding to my emails or why they don't talk to me when I see them. If you can figure out a way, because the, op the, the option is there is no other option, then you can do a lot of things. I mean, when I built my first website, I'm blind. I had no money, no help, no, no skills or experience in the area of building a website. And it was in 2007, before most people had access to Wi-Fi, before WordPress or Facebook. So my options were I could pay somebody. I didn't have the money. Um, I could use a, I couldn't use a visual editor. You know, the what you see is what you get, which was what most people were using at that time. So my only option was to learn how to hand code HTML, which I did for seven years before finally, thankfully, transferring to WordPress. And I was only able to go through all the steps to learn how to do basic HTML coding because I told myself, nobody else is going to do it for you. This is the only option you have to accomplish this particular goal. And once you get to the point where, it's, where, you, where you don't have any excuse, where uh, they, there is no other option, if you can get to that point, then you can do just about anything, no matter how much you hate it. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's a great way of, um, of approaching the situation. I think that's a really great perspective to have. Um, in terms of excuses, then, obviously, sometimes it, it's difficult to eliminate them completely. And we can find that they creep up here and there just to try and justify what we're doing and justifying our behavior or maybe uh, the reason why we're not succeeding as fast as maybe others think we should be. Um, are there any tips that you have in terms of daily practice then uh, helping us eliminate these excuses that almost like baby steps that we could take? Well, I'm the last person to ask about a daily schedule or routine because I'm very bad at that. And it's one thing that I'm always working on. <laughs> uh, but I would say the excuses uh, a lot of times there are excuses we've uh, we've lived with for a while and we maybe don't even realize that we're doing them anymore. Uh, often it takes somebody outside of you to really recognize the excuses or it takes a specific event to shine the light on the excuses for, and I don't want people to think I'm without excuses because I, I'm in the area of learning new technology. I will often do something over and over again in a way that's more difficult and takes longer as opposed to spending the time to go through the learning curve of a new website or a new application or new hardware. So I'm considered a late adopter when it comes to uh, tech because I would, ra I, in, in many cases, I'll just keep doing it the way I've been doing it, even if it's harder because I don't want to face the time it's going to take me to learn. And I'm I've gotten to where I know that about myself and uh, I address that by asking other people to help me hold myself accountable as I try to learn those new things. And uh, the other thing I know about excuses is that we sometimes can take care of an excuse and never have to see it again. But quite often excuses show up in this in different uh, different guises, but they're really the same old excuse. And the when when you do recognize them or when people outside you recognize them, you need to do a couple of things. One is you need to, to be kind to yourself 
and not beat yourself up for realizing that you have this excuse that's holding you back. And then the other thing is you need to, uh, to try to find some small steps that will help you get towards uh, eliminating that excuse. And it's very helpful if you can find someone, uh, a friend, family member, or maybe even a, a coach or a mentor who will ever so often help you go through a process and, and see, are there excuses that I thought I'm through with that I'm, uh, I'm backsliding into again. And, but I, uh, I sometimes find myself making excuses. What was that journey or relationship with purpose is, is the first thing that I'd like to ask. And then also how much do you feel that the ability to tap into your purpose is connected with, with letting go of, of the fears that we have? Right. Well, in my case, from an early age, I uh, knew that I wanted to be involved in the carnival business and somebody helped run the family's carnival. And I got to do that for about 15 years before my dad's death resulted in the loss of the business. And then after his death, uh, over about a three-year period, through the loss of the business, uh, addressing my health issues, uh, just looking around to see what else I could do next, I started the website to help people sell used rides, but that was really just a beginning because by doing that, I had to challenge myself to learn a whole bunch of new skills. And as I would do one thing, it would lead to another thing. I filed for the domain name and then I had to figure out how to build the website. Once the website was online, people told me I had to have a blog. Once I had the blog and the website, people still weren't wanting to do business with me. So I had to figure out how to get them to open my emails. So that involved creating what they call a lead magnet and building an email list. As social media came along, I had to learn how to use Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And I'm still not sure about Instagram or uh, TikTok, but I'm learning as I go. So uh, as I started the new thing, I found out so many new things about myself. And then other people pointed out, you know, you're more than just a guy selling carnival rides. And that led to writing uh, books and giving speeches and traveling the country. So it started with wanting to stay somewhat in the business I grew up in that my passion was involved in. And then that led me to a whole other place. And I think the, the real story for me is being, is having these great people in my community, most of them online who were pointing out to me the, the, possibilities and abilities that I had that I wasn't seeing myself and that I was willing to uh, to grow beyond my original purpose uh, to learn more about myself as I went and to become somebody who's now an influencer and who inspires others to overcome their fears and their excuses and go after their goals and so my original passion was the carnival business after that it was selling carnival rides and now that's part of the story that makes me uh, compelling. It makes me real and relatable because most people can relate to somebody who had something they loved and then lost it. And then they had to find a way to, to get over that and move on to something else. And in my case, I've been blessed because of something else has been healthier for me. I've been much happier doing this than I was ever was doing the other especially the last three or four years of doing the other without my dad. And I hope that that kind of uh, rambling explanation answers your question fully. <laughs>
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, everyone's experience is different. I think, like you said, sometimes uh, an incident or circumstance can mean that you you almost have to change that path that you had initially wanted to, to, to set out on, or it just could even be temporary, as you said, and, and you uh, you know, you find a way of, of getting that thing back or you just change direction completely. And um, I think all of our journeys are, are, are definitely different that way. Um, right, right. And and now, of course, you know, the real, we're, you know, people as a whole, we're going through a real time of, of testing. And for most people, sadly, this is the second time in, you know, less than 12 or 15 years where jobs that people thought were going to be there for the long term aren't there or they've been temporarily lost with the possibility that they may never come back again. Same with people who, you know, had the courage to start a business after their nine to five job was no longer a thing. So, you know, people right now, they have to, it's hard. I know it's hard. But the thing we have to do is we have to decide whether we are going to continue to mourn what's lost as far as a job, a business, uh, or a, a nonprofit passion, or are we going to take everything we've learned up to that point and apply it to something similar or even to something totally brand new? And that's going to be the really hard thing. And, you know, I, I wish I could figure out why it is that if you put two people in the same tragedy or adversity, one of them is going to be stronger and more successful and the other one is going to live in that moment of pain and loss forever. So um, hopefully people will start talking about this now and thinking about this as opposed to what their, their future opportunities may be. And, you know, it's going to take some real creative thought, some real problem-solving abilities. Some people are going to have to really decide that they see a future in order to find it uh, for, for this next little while until we get Corona behind us. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, I think so many people are, are facing that um, situation. And I think there's been so many conversations around that, actually, people really, really thinking about what is, what job is really foolproof, you know, um, for the future. So, yeah, no, I appreciate you you shedding light on, on the current situation as well. I mean, just think about this for a minute. For years, we've been telling kids to go into the healthcare profession because those jobs will never go away. And here in the U.S., because of the economic stress for hospitals that's been caused by corona and the loss of income from elective surgeries, we have hospitals laying off doctors and nurses by the hundreds. We really have to proceed as if whatever we're doing is is fragile, that we have to, um, to be thinking about the future. We have to, to do what we can to protect our, our job or our business by, you know, the old cliche of making ourselves indispensable at the, at, at work, at the workplace or by paying really close attention to the trends in whatever business you're involved in. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, being someone who is also, you know, you're, you're an online publicist as well, and um, you mentioned social media earlier, of course, but just seeing how much it's evolved really over time and the fact that more brands and businesses and artists and, you know, anyone and everyone is just being encouraged to use it, obviously, to 
uh, publicize themselves, if nothing else, and just use it as that free platform to um, greater their exposure, essentially. Um, but it, in terms of using these portals, another perspective is that now that everyone is using them, there's no kind of telling the difference. Like, how do you stand out in what looks and feels like a very saturated market for everything, even in terms of like consultancy, which people are doing from home and um, yeah, I mean, everything really, even if we look at influencers and bloggers and, you know, whether it's things involving me media directly, like uh, film and TV and um, and all of these kind of professions to, to anything, to businesses like, you know, dentistry or photography or whatever it is. Um, if everyone is using it then, how, in your opinion, do you really stand out at a time like this? And especially like we just spoke about the you know, the pandemic and the effects of that as well. A lot more people working from home, a lot of people trying to figure out what avenues are next, how they can uh, promote themselves, essentially. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this? Well, when it comes to social media, you know, we're talking about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, or whether you're talking about podcasting, uh, where... There's now over a million podcasts on Apple, I think it is, which is still a very small number if you compare that to a global population of almost 8 billion. Uh, the real thing is, is, is uh, you have to remember that no matter how many people there are who seem to be providing a similar service or similar information, uh, your particular take on that, your personality is unique. And the one thing that I have noticed, and I'm glad to see that it's starting to become a thing among the coaches and gurus about online marketing, is that there's no substitute for, uh, for building relationships with podcast hosts, with people as you grow your online community, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'm seeing more and more of my friends who have fewer followers on a social media account, but they know more of them, that they actually communicate with more people that are in their social media communities because they've realized that you can't just show up and put out content and expect people to eat it up and share it to the point where you become viral and you can, you can either be a six or seven figures person or you can be a sustainable income person online. So it really comes down to being totally you, being vulnerable, being real, being uh, relatable, uh, allowing your story to come through so that you are compelling to the average person who will see themselves in you when they read your posts or watch your podcast or, or, or listen to your audio. It really does come down to being uh, totally authentic, although I ha I'm starting to dislike that word because everybody's using it. But I mean, you just have to be honest and raw and real and let people see who you are, let them get to know you and like you and trust you. And you can go from there. But really, a lot of it just comes from the fact that the vast majority of these companies, they're doing social media wrong. They are not using it to make connections. They're using it as a broadcast platform. And that's not it was what it was intended for. Mm -hmm. Facebook was never intended to be a place where people run 30 or 60 second ads to millions of people like people run ads on television right. and you know for major corporations that can work because they have the brand name behind them but for people like me and you 
we have to build connections with people in our communities. We, we, and we do that by replying to their work, sharing their content, uh, occasionally sending emails to encourage them, reaching out to them when we have an opportunity or a project that they may be able to, to be part of or, or contribute to. So basically, if you want to stand out in social media, it's just like standing out anywhere else. You be a friend. You be a person. You bring that thing that makes you totally unique to the party. Let everybody see it and go from there. And I mean, think about this for a minute. How many times has somebody sent you a nice email and your response was, wow, nobody writes messages like that to me no more. Uh, that really got your attention. And it's the same way on social media. It's the same way with your podcast. Yeah. If if you act as if you're a real person instead of a personality, you'll be just fine online. <laughs> That's great advice. Yeah, I think uh, I think you've just highlighted going back to what like true networking is, and it's not kind of self-seeking all the time. It's it's about serving others as well. So I think that um, yeah, that's a really great point to make. The the theme song for my life, my podcast, is The River by Garth Brooks. And the first time I heard the song back in uh, 91, I think it was, it really captured my attention. It's And, it you know, it says a lot about the way I've done this. I started out, you know, just filing for a domain name. And 13 years later, here I am. I'm still not at the end of the river, but I'm, you know, much farther down, downstream than where I started. And I really don't know what's going to happen next. I do know this much. I've learned over the years to never to put limits on God because mm -hmm. he often has dreams that are bigger than anything that I can think of. Yeah, that's, that's great. It reminded me as you were, as you were talking about, uh, you know, giving space for God to work as well. It just reminded me of that quote about, uh, you know, if your dream doesn't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's definitely encouraging. I think you should dream big for sure. And, 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 um, and, and let that motivate you, I guess, let it keep motivating you to, to doing more. And you, you never know, you, you, you never know which door will open. Right. Yeah. And the, and the, and the thing about it is, is that, you know, a lot of people say, a lot of people go to the old line about how, how uh, God will never give you more than you're capable of. Mm -hmm. And they usually think of that in a negative way, like he won't give me more, more trials than I can handle. But what people forget is that uh, if we will let God deliver that next experience or adventure or challenge, quite often he will give us stuff that are bigger than we are at the time he gives them to us. And so just because you know, you dream for something and then you got it and we'll realize, man, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. You know, I had no idea it was going to take X, Y, and Z for me to do this when I started asking for it. But, you know, he knows our abilities and he will help us through the hard times, whether they are hard times for joy or hard times for sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Amazing. Well, it was so lovely to talk to you and hear a little bit about your journey and what you're doing, uh, Max. Well, and I wish you all the best with all your endeavors. And um, yes, uh, I, I'm looking forward to putting this out in the world. Well, I appreciate you having me and spending some time with me. I've enjoyed it as well. And as a podcaster and 
I, I just want to make sure you know how much I appreciate the, the time and effort and work you put into this. Because truthfully, if, if it weren't for people like you who have given me the opportunity to share my story over the years, there wouldn't be a The Blind Blogger, or there wouldn't be a What's Your Excuse, uh, because it's only through this that people have found out who I, who I am, and it's allowed me to to grow into the person I am now and to, to find a way to, to use the skills I have to help others. And that wouldn't have happened without these platforms, so thank you. True, true. No, thank, thank you so much. Well, that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I hope you tune in next week when I talk to another exceptional guest. As usual, every Sunday, we're continuing the series of Purpose, and I hope it thoroughly, thoroughly speaks to you. It affects you. I hope you're inspired to share the message with someone and I hope that you have already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please go to www.unplugannie.com and you can find all the podcast links as well as other links and articles which may be of interest to you. You can also subscribe and receive the weekly email newsletter to your inbox and be part of the family in a more active way. Until next week.